The passage that uh, Jason has uh, at least chosen to speak from, in part, uh, as he addresses the topic of singleness in the Bible, is Isaiah chapter 54, uh, the first ten verses of that chapter, and I'm going to read that for us now. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labour. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Thank you, Matt. When we glance at the Bible, we see that it talks a lot about marriage. It starts with a marriage. It ends with a marriage. Song of Songs is an entire book devoted the relationship between a man and a woman. We can see at numerous places the Bible upholds and celebrates marriage. The Bible makes a big deal about marriage. So, conversely, We might think that the Bible doesn't have much to say about being single. We might feel that unless we marry, God's purpose for our life might be fulfilled. Or that to be single is to be second right in God's Kingdom. The problem is there are a number of reasons why 
a person might be single. A person might be single because of their personality, divorce, death, disability, the marriage rate for people with disability is much lower than the general population. It is also worth mentioning that the marriage rate in Australia is declining. There is a large number of reasons why people in the society are single. It seems to be becoming the norm to remain unmarried. So what does the Bible have to say to these people? What I want to do is to provide a biblical framework of marriage and then within that framework understand singleness and how it relates to us as people who follow Jesus. So, we come to this obscure passage in Isaiah 54 that talks about barren women breaking out in some. Why of all passages did I choose this one? Because this passage marks a pivotal moment in God's plan of salvation that changes the way we think about marriage and singleness. All being single is not the same as being burned. There are lessons that can be learned from the Bible's discussion around burnness. To understand why this is the case, we need to know something about what it means to be burned in the context of the Old Testament. Particularly with God's covenant with Abraham and his, his Old Testament people, Israel. In Genesis 12, God meets with Abraham and makes a covenant and promises that God would bless the whole world through his kids. Now, some of us who are parents might be thinking, right, have you actually met my kids? Being that as my Kids are part of God's blessing, and in the Old Testament, having kids was an 
and a special significance is this was how God would bless the whole world. Now, pass that thought to one side. We'll come back to it. The idea of God having kings as a sign of God's blessing is solidified in God's covenant with Israel. Not just kings, but with all kinds of fertility. In Deuteronomy 48, God says to Israel, if you probably obey the Lord your God, the fruit of the womb will be blessed. And the crops of the land and the young of the livestock, the calves of the herds and lambs of the flocks. So the promise of fertility is sensitive. And was stuck if Israel remains faithful to the covenant. Conversely, God says to Israel, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God, the fruit of the womb will be cursed and the crops of the land, and the cows of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. So, in the context of the Old Covenant, to be fertile was within the covenant blessing. To be infertile was to be outside the covenant blessing. This is also reflected elsewhere in the Old Testament, where Sarah and Hannah have a hard time because of their infertility or barrenness. While God worked powerfully through these women, being barren was not good. We also see this in the book of Bertha. While Naomi wasn't barren, she faced the same fight as a barren woman before all her sons had died. Therefore, she faced the prospect of not having any support in her old age. Now we understood her circumstances as God being against her. That was until Naomi's daughter Ruth met Bubbles and he redeemed the situation. But typically 
to be spelling in single was really bad because it meant that you could not enjoy God's covenant blessing. And yet, through the prophet Isaiah, God tells barren women to burst out in song. Before we get to the reason for this, I want to talk about the men for a moment. Just as they were in fertile women, they were also in fertile men. These men were known as units. In fact, some men were made into units, to put it politely. Units were particularly useful to serving the king because they were dependent on the king's administration for their welfare. Because the man was infertile, he couldn't have sons to provide for him in his old age. So, if we were a unique and we wanted a comfortable retirement, then you had better do all you could to ensure the success of the king and not to do anything to jeopardize his reign. Get the picture? So, just as barren women were outside the covenant blessing, so were units. Yet, in Isaiah he foresees a time when Buddhists will share in God's covenant blessing which will be better than sons and daughters. Why? What has happened to allow barren women and units to enjoy the covenant blessing? But when Isaiah spoke these words, no one was enjoying the covenant blessing and it was about to be removed completely. God had set Israel aside to be his servant and to be in covenant relationship with him. Instead, they had been going their own way and serving themselves rather than God. They had sinned against God and they could no longer enjoy the covenant 
Listen. So the question that Ozai is grappling with is how can Israel be God's servant and enjoy the covenant blessing that comes from that when their sin against God is so great? In chapter 53, Isaiah foresees another serpent who will come and take the sins of God's people unto himself and suffer the punishment of death for their sins. The sin that separated God from his people would be done away with, so that God's people could enjoy God's covenant blessing once more. Remember at the start, I mentioned that God promised Abraham a blessing and that he will bless the whole world through his church. Isaiah anticipates a much richer fulfillment of this promise by a suffering servant, a blessing that will not see the prosperity of a nation, instead a blessing that will see God and his people reconciled, and God's people reconciled to each other. This is how barren women and women would be able to enjoy the covenant blessing. This blessing was anticipated through marriage and having kids. But now it will be fulfilled on the much greater scale through a suffering servant. The blessing will be so abundant that even those who have been outside the covenant blessing will come to enjoy that blessing. They will burst out in song and worship God. Of course, this suffering servant was fulfilled by Jesus, that it was through the death and resurrection of Jesus that he took the punishment of death unto himself for the sins of the whole world. It would be Jesus who endured death for our sins 
that we could be reconciled to God. There is a very real sense that the purpose of marriage has been fulfilled by Jesus to be God's blessing for the whole world. It is because of Jesus we can now enjoy the covenant blessing of being reconciled to God and each other. This has a bearing on how we think about marriage and singleness. Because of this suffering servant, Isaiah says that barren women will have more children than married women. Now, at this point, we might think, hang on, single barren women have babies. How does that work? Obviously, it's pointing to something that isn't biological. And this is reflected in the New Testament. When Jesus' biological family comes looking for him, Jesus indicates that his charities are actually one into what God wants. Now, Jesus is not saying that biological families are irrelevant, but a couple of blessings of being reconciled to God and his people is comparable to biological families, and it even surpasses biological families. There is a sense that the body of believers is a greater fulfillment of what God had intended for biological families. We can also see this in the use of familial language. According to my Bible search, the word brother is used 135 times in the New Testament to refer to fellow believers inclusive of women. To be clear, this isn't a title. This is a statement of the relationship that we have with each other as believers. Paul can even refer to Timothy as his son. 
and describe themselves as the father of believers. Such was the familiar relationship that Paul had with believers at Corinth. This is the covenant blessing that we enjoy as part of the new covenant that we have in Jesus, that we can regard one another as feminine. That means I have to put up with your words and you have to put up with mine. It's awesome. This is why it's important to do church in person whenever we can so we can enjoy the covenant blessing. This is why we have church picnics or we try to so we can enjoy the covenant blessing. On, on an informal level. It's also why we have Christmas so we can enjoy the covenant blessing on a more personal level. Okay, so, we just leave marriage in singleness. It's big and wonderful and exciting as marriage is. And as much as we should thank God for all those who are married and their kids, it's not the big one in interval. Marriage actually points to something brighter. It was through marriage and having kids that God would bless the whole world. But now that blessing to the whole world has arrived in Jesus. So marriage is still a really big deal. It's part of the original person, but it doesn't carry the same significance for a relationship with God as it once did in the Old Testament. Therefore, being married or single does not define who we are in terms of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is defined by Jesus. If we remain single or lose our marriage, this does not change our standing with God. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. 